Welcome to another DH Effect episode, The Decided Heart Effect, where for us, we believe that we find our decided hearts through personal reflection of our identity, the active building of trust relationships, and a commitment to finding where we belong, as well as how are we going to create that sense of belonging. When we take action on our decided heart moments to create the positive change around us, that is what we call the decided heart effect. That effect is so important to Hillary and I. So my name is Sonia Montiel, and I am joined with my beautiful co-host, Hillary Bilbrey. And we are here with Elle Ingalls. She is a high-performance coach, drawing on her experience as an executive, professional musician, which we'll hear a little bit more about that, community leader, a parent of three grown sons, plus her three degrees from, I guess, the University of Michigan's your favorite, Elle? (laughs) And decades, decades of research to break this um, stress cycle. Elle, you created something called Pressure-Free Method, which is the ultimate work smarter, not harder formula. When I read that, I was leaning in. I'm like, I I need that now. Because sometimes in, in our coping, when we are stressed, we feel like, Let's just work hard, work, 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 work. And all of a sudden it didn't, it didn't help with our stress. It just increased it. So can't wait for this conversation. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. And I love that you brought up the work, work smarter, not harder thing, because we hear that all the time, but how do you actually do it? And I can't wait to share because that is really, you know, you can feel like a failure when you can't do it, (laughs) especially when you're a high achiever. Absolutely. And high achievers are notorious for being in motion rather than in action. And Mm -hmm. so it's going to be a blast to talk about that. But before we even dive in, so many of our listeners tune in first to sort of hear about decided heart. All right, I'm struggling in my own identity and to try to get to that authentic place where I am who I say I am and who is that. So you have a couple of decided heart moments that shifted you sort of in that. Would you please share with us? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to share the one that came first. And uh, I didn't even think of it as that until you started sharing with me. And so I think it's really pivotal and important to share. Um, I'm one of those people, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners are, we have a wide bandwidth. That's how I describe it. You can do a lot of things really well. So... Uh, I was in graduate school at the University of Michigan, and um, so I did my undergrad there, started in phys ed, moved to music ed, and then my junior year, my conducting professor said, you have what it takes to go all the way as a conductor. And so he sponsored me to design my own curriculum in my undergrad years so that I could start taking some graduate level conducting courses. Um, So I graduated, then spent two years kind of... um, as a professional violinist playing up and down US 23 in Michigan, making money, working like at a bank and working as a hostess early in the morning, you know, whatever I could to make money and took myself to Salzburg to study for a summer in conducting Um, and just learning so I could feel I had enough to apply for the graduate conducting program at Michigan, which was one of the most famous ones in the world. People from all over the world try to get into that program. They only take like three people, three um, three graduates and one doctorate um, each year. So there's a very limited number of people in the program because of course we're conducting the symphony and you can't have a lot of people in the program. 
So uh, I was really working on it and um, I got in. And I also kind of ridiculously said, let's just get an MBA at the same time. <laughs> so I'm uh, working on that, working on that. Also decided I'm going to get married. So I'm actually embroidering 300 little tulips on my handmade wedding gown. Right? Like, I'm just sharing, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's just crazy what you can do when you just feel like you can do it. Um, and so that's why the pivotal moment that the, the desired heart moment was, um, I had just gotten off stage with a clarinetist. He had won concertos and I was his assigned conductor. And I don't know if I mentioned this, but I was the first woman in that program. So broke a glass ceiling since then. A lot of women have been through the program. That was 1986 that I got admitted. Um, and so we're backstage and he says to me, that was amazing. We were so in sync as the soloist and me working with the orchestra. And he goes, would you play violin on my recital? I want to do the Mozart clarinet quintet. And I, of course, am very ecstatic in the moment. And I just say, of course, yes, I will do this. And then I'm thinking, oh, crap, I have to not only practice, but I have to work with the quartet. I got to fit that in my schedule. Uh, rehearsals went great. Everything was great. We get to the night of the recital and it's gonna be in the small recital hall at the music school. So not any big hall where we were for the other concert, just a little hall. And I'm thinking, you know, it's just a handful of people. It's no big deal. Well, this kid must've been the most popular person in the music school because it was standing room only. Mm. And the whole string faculty, so all the violin, viola, cello and bass professors were all there to see us, the quartet, right? I did not expect that. And so we step out on stage and we didn't even really have words for it other than stage fright. But I went into a full-blown panic attack on stage. My hands were so sweaty, I could barely hold my bow. I thought it was just gonna fall out. I couldn't see the music very well. And I'm the leader of the group. Like I'm leading everything. I have to tune, you know, everybody and everything. I can't hear, like, I'm just going, what the hell? is going on with me I've been a performer my whole life I'd never had stage fright I'd never had this experience and so at that, at that like I was a wreck a mess I get off and tears just start flowing out of my eyes and I look at Dan I go I'm so sorry I just ruined your your recital he goes well what are you talking about so I was enough of a professional to play well it certainly was not my best performance by any means, but I listened to the recording after and really it was okay. Um, but for me, it was like a crushing experience because I thought, oh my goodness, what if this happens when I'm on the podium? Mm. What if I can't focus? Like it just took the rug right out from under me. Um, not dissimilar for what just happened to Simone Biles. I was thinking that. I was like, you had the twisties, right? Yes, you I had the twisties. Call it the twisties. Yes. Yeah, I could have been upside down. <laughs> went, right? No, no. Yes. I've actually coached two young gymnasts, one that had Olympic dreams. She, if she hadn't been so injured, she might have been on that team this year. So um, I did get comfor comfortable learning about all those things. But yeah, so that's what happened. And so I got back to my apartment that night and I said, okay, this can never happen again. So we didn't have any phones or internet or anything. I took myself to the medical library and I just started researching on, um, on how the human brain works in performance. I just started digging into actual research in journals and you know whatever I could get my hands on at the medical library. 
And it was basically neuroscience, but I don't even think we called it that back then. Like it was just really digging into all of this. And I created a little kit of what I called mental toughness tools, mm. little tools I could use so that I could always perform well on stage. And I've been using them for years and I've taught them to my viola students and violin students and like just kept sharing. And um, I taught them to my kids so that they could perform well. So that was the first amazing, like, okay, this can't happen to begin kind of thing. And um, I have had a couple moments where like faculty recitals I taught for years on, at a college and, and I would like be fourth on the program and I'd start to feel it rise up a little bit. And I would just use these tools to help me stay in a really great place. So fast forward. <laughs> Uh, I'm yeah. so sorry, Al. Do you mind if just for one second, because there's such a powerful learning here and I, I'm so sorry for interrupting, but no, just, it's great. I want to just put a little bow on what you said. So those people who are listening, you know, you have the moment and the moment that shakes you to your core, throws you off what you feel. And you could even call a failure. It wasn't a failure, but let's just say you think of it that way. And you felt like a failure, yeah. right? It felt like a failure. And so you can freeze, but instead you took one step. You didn't try to fix everything. You just said, okay, let me find out why. Let me be curious. And right. so you use that curiosity to just take some baby steps that then led you to using that as a springboard to become stronger and to help others as well. That is such a beautiful illustration of a decided heart moment. And it was said so well, I just had to like walk through those points. Sonia? Another bow. So this is going to be a very colorful gift. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing that I find so intriguing is that um, maybe many of us, or maybe myself, when, when something like that would happen, I would automatically think about all the things I did wrong. Like, oh man, I just had too much on my plate. What could I have fixed? What could I eliminate? And you, you didn't do that. You, instead of looking back and saying, blaming yourself for taking too much on, you actually said, what happened? You looked at the biological response and I just find that so intriguing and it's such a, a insightful thing for me to say, well, don't blame yourself, find out what happened, which, which leads to what Hillary was saying. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of people listening right now, you might be a why person. It's not enough for someone to tell you no or whatever, like you're going to go why. In fact, um, when I was <laughs> at Michigan as an undergrad, I was still technically in the phys ed department. And I wanted to study with a particular violin professor. So I went to the music school registrar to book lessons. And I said, I, this is who I want to study with. And they go, well, even, even if when you move into music education, you won't be able to study with him. He only takes the top performance violinists. So I just took my violin, marched down the hall, knocked on his door. And later I found out from my colleagues, nobody does this, right? <laughs> but I was just like, I want to study with him. I knocked on his door, I walked in, I pulled out my violin and I, I played the Barber Violin Concerto for him. I just said, I, I wanna play for you because I really would love to study with you. And I can't, I must've been horrible for him to listen to me play, right? And he just goes, Miss Darren, you have such chutzpah. I must take you as a student, right? <laughs> Wow, just for the courage. Yes. The courage. And it didn't even dawn on me. It was courage. It's like, I want this. Yes. I want to study with him. Yes. And so I, it was like, and then I marched. I, he wrote me this beautiful letter 
I, I still have a letter from him to this day. I took it down to the office. <laughs> I said, he's, he's, he says I can study with him, right? <laughs> so action, it. action, right? Yes, not motion, action. So, you know, we go through our life and we have a lot of life chapters. Um, uh, a period of my life for several years, I was a stay-at-home mom when our third was born. My husband was the stay-at-home father for our older two. And then we switched. So we made a commitment when we were having our children that we would be with them. And so it was, uh, it was like a gift to have the third child because we didn't expect it. So I get to be home for a while. Two, he's 10. It's now 2010. So about 10 years that I'm stay home mom with him and performing again at night and teaching at the college and stuff like that. And, but I'm like, okay, I need to get serious about making more money because our kids are about to go off to college. So I started building a business around financial management, which I've taught to nonprofits for years. It's one of those things that I do really well. It's not that I love it. I love the results of people getting great results when they build a great nonprofit, but, but it's something I'm good at. So I thought I'm just gonna do this. And this is another real instructive point. I put a mentor in my life. So um, I had always refused to do social media. I was not interested at all in being on camera, doing social media or anything. And all of a sudden, um, I had a coach I was working with who said, you know, you need to embrace this. So that's how I actually found this mentor. I just friended him. He knows me. He friended me back. And he's um, one of the top economic developers who's ever been in Michigan. He has two awards from two presidents, just an amazing man. So I reach out, out of the blue, right? And I say, um, I'm wondering if you would just sit down and listen to my ideas about this financial management for nonprofits, having run one himself. So... Um, I put it all together at the bottom of this letter though. I'll never forget. It was, well, it's an email. I said, if my parents were stood alive, they would have been my biggest cheerleaders and biggest critics. I'm looking for someone who will push me beyond my greatest dreams. Mm. And then I sent it. So he agrees to meet. <laughs> we're meeting and um, I'm sharing all this financial stuff that I'm doing. And about 45 minutes in, he goes, you know, he's given me ideas and tips. And then he goes, I'm going to be honest with you. I read your bio online and I don't think this is what you should be doing. You're one of the most multi-talented people I've ever met. And this is nice, but I think there's a bigger vision for you. So he goes, you don't have to shelve it. Just stay open. And those words, just stay open, just kept circulating in my mind. I was still working the next couple of days on this other stuff, but then we we're sitting around our dining room table, which is kind of like the center of our home still is here and new home center of our life. And my older oldest son goes, mother, you should coach our baseball team in your mental toughest tips. We could be state champions if you would coach them. And I just start laughing. Like who wants their mother in the dugout? That's what I said, <laughs> right? Are you guys crazy? And they know my coaching because I coached them in spring track um, in middle school. So they know how I coach. And my son goes, mother, we want you in the dugout. And my middle son is like nodding. We want you, mom. We want you to do this. So I started writing. And then my husband's a pro writer. So he took my writing, tightened it up and put some baseball graphics in it. had a pamphlet. So I took it to the coaches and as I'm describing it to the head coach, he's like, it's 2010, he's a financial planner. It's the mess of 2008 through 2011. He goes, I need this. Will you be my private coach? <laughs> so 
he said, I definitely want you working with the boys. I want you to, I'd like you to coach me too privately. And then two days later, my department chair at the college, she found out what I was doing, grabbed her checkbook and said, I need this and I need to start tomorrow. So I had two paying clients and a whole baseball team in one day or like two days. And it was just like, oh my goodness, what's happening here? And so I went back to that mentor and I said, well, I want something completely different now. And he just laughed. He laughed. And then I actually shared the method with him in a moment that was kind of like a moment of crisis for him. And it was like, it was so brilliant. He was like, oh, I get it. I understand what you're doing here. Mm. And um, so that was the beginning of creating the pressure-free method. That was 2010. Since then, I've coached thousands of people in groups and hundreds of people privately from age 10 to age 80. People say, what's your target market? I love to just say people who want to achieve more. <laughs> so I don't know if you want to achieve more in your in a performance aspect as an athlete, as an executive, as whatever it is you do, or um, a musician, or is it um, that you want to have a better relationship with your your spouse, your partner, your your kids, your parents, um, or do you have a health issue? Mm-hmm. So all mental and physical chronic illness is caused directly by the release of stress hormones, and it's exacerbated by them. So if we can get to, act to the root and, and break the stress cycle, like you said in my intro, that is what I help you do. Break the stress cycle. That can change everything for you. And I, so. I just want to chime in and then Hillary, you're going to be next. Um, you know, when we had our individual conversation, L, it was actually the first time where I leaned into stress to really understand why. And this is this goes back to um, what I said before in terms of responding to your breakdown on stage. Uh-huh. I always I always had stress, or I interacted like, oh my gosh, it's, I'm so stressed out, and it's external. Like stress is happening to me, and mm-hmm. I have to fix it somehow externally. And right. what you bring in is the why, why it is, what's happening to your body. And it was just that alone was such a profound experience for me where I'm like leaning into it because it's in me, not externally. And Hillary, what were you going to say? Oh, no, no. I, I, well, you know, of course, Ikigai is, is, is going around in my head. Um, Just that idea of going after what, what is, what you love, what you like, all of that and, and how you did that. I think what's really resonating with me and I'm identifying with is we run around and we think, especially when you have a bandwidth for doing things and you enjoy doing them and you do them well, you run, well, what am am I supposed to do this? Am I supposed to do this? What am I supposed to do? And it always comes back to do. And what I love about listening and and I feel like now I'm in my late forties, I finally have gotten there as well. I realize that the more that I am myself, the more I just am who I am what I'm supposed to do just follows that, Mm, you know? And so the skill set that's what, when I was listening to you, it's like, fantastic. Yes. You can be a conductor. You can do this. You can do this. You can do this. But what made you a good conductor? It was probably your ability to read what was going on and to be able to work with the, you know, the, the, um, see how the energy could work together and to be able to communicate what you were feeling and have that, the same, that same skill set then can be applied on top of the high performance coaching and so many other aspects. Um, I think we don't give ourselves enough credit 
is a huge passion of mine. We don't give ourselves enough credit. The things that are so easy for us, we assume it's easy for everybody else. Those soft right. skills, yeah, those yeah. Soft skills are sometimes the exact gift someone else needs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's really how you're being. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when you were just talking about the symphony, to audition to get into that program, I pulled together some of the top musicians in the music school who all agreed for free to rehearse with me because I had to practice, right? You can't practice on your own as a conductor. You have to actually have somebody to work with. And then they, they performed with me for that conducting professor to see if he would admit me. And, um, and, when he took me back to his office, he said, you have a lot of work to do, right? And, but, then he goes, but then he goes, but how the hell did you get those people to play for you? That's the more interesting thing. Mm. And so what you just said, Hillary, is like, bottom line is love. Mm. Mm. Every person that was, it makes me cry when I think about them. Makes me cry lo- too. I've lost some of them. Like I lost one of my friends. Every one of those persons that played for me that day, I love. Mm-hmm. I love them. So when I asked them if they would play for me, they didn't even hesitate. And I was just this little undergrad. They were mostly grad students, you know, but they were just like, yes, I'll play for you. You know, so it's interesting when you can, I think you bring up just a beautiful point about, you know, what is it that you're bringing? Um, And also that we're so different. I had a young man who I was coaching and he goes, Oh, I could never be like you. I go, honey, you don't want to be like me. You want to be you, you know, fully you. And, and he, he had such a profound experience with pressure free that he wrote his freshman essay at the end of the year. They did this. I believe he wrote this. I believe pressure free living saved my life. And he shared the account of us working together and he stood up and read it in front of the whole class. And I've, I keep in touch with him like every New Year's Eve, I find out what he's up to because it's been years since we worked together. And um, he has a really beautiful life, a really beautiful life. So changing that trajectory, where were you headed? Where were you going? Where are you going to be a month from now if you don't get a handle on this? It's, it's crushing to think, you know, what is stress costing you? What is it really doing to you? And getting underneath that, And the thing about my method is it's not hard. It's not rocket science. People will say to me, why don't they teach us this in middle school? I would have gotten straight A's. And I've worked with middle schoolers getting all C's and D's and two, three weeks of getting all straight A's and ending up as honor students. So stress is is the culprit. It's, It's called the silent killer, but what's really the silent killer are the release of stress hormones. You can have a lot of stress coming at you and challenges. People say to me, I thrive in stress. I love challenges, you know? So it's not that it's whether or not we release these hormones. So you might, for me, like I don't get very anxious or angry, but I get annoyed all the time that I was running the symphony. I like my grants to be done a whole week ahead of time. I'm, I'm like ahead, ahead, ahead. So if anything's straggling a little late, that's very annoying to me. <laughs> So annoyance will cause you to release stress hormones just as easily as anxiety. Any feelings of ashamed, being ashamed about anything. So you have to really untangle the things that are causing you to tense up in your body or tense up in your mind. And that's when the magic starts to happen. When you can notice that, when you can see it 
and interrupt it. That's what the pressure-free method is all about. It's about interrupting so that you cannot release those hormones and you'll still feel the feeling. So you're not trying to crush the feeling, but you're not overreacting to it. We've been conditioned now to overreact. The media has been really good at helping us learn to overreact. <laughs> So, so we're constantly in fight or flight. And for, for males, it takes up to nine hours to get out of that stress cycle. So that's our whole day trying to work just from one incident made mm. in, in a 15 minute commute will trigger your stress hormones, by the way. So that's their whole day working or their whole night trying to sleep. And we wonder why people have so much trouble sleeping today. And by the way, you'll have anxiety over the fact that they tell you to get eight hours or whatever, and you're not getting it. So now you feel anxious because you can't get it. So it's like this constant downward spiral. <laughs> I love to crack that one and say, that's all a bunch of crap. The hours don't matter at all. It's whether or not you were in fight or flight during your day. So that's the key. That is the key to getting into a true Delta wave sleep. The hours don't matter so much if you actually get into your deep Delta wave sleep. And a lot of people today are turning to, to things like CBD oil, THC, you know, they're smoking weed before bed to try and get to sleep. Weed will actually make your body quiet, but it doesn't actually allow your brain to get into delta wave sleep. So you'll wake up fuzzy. Your brain well, didn't really rest. <laughs> so I just, so what you're saying, um, and what I'm learning is it's a matter of, you know, again, stress factors will come at you, but we, we can be trained and practiced to control how we, re how we physically respond or biologically respond to that stress. And that you're saying we can actually control the release of that hormone that then spirals us into this, you know, yes. this fatigue. Wow. That was the huge download above when I started working with boys. So initially when I was working with that baseball team, I thought I'm just trying to get them to perform well when they get to the baseball game. But then when I learned about the nine hour effect, cause they were all boys. I'm like, Oh crap. I have to make sure they don't trigger because of their math test. Mm. I have to make sure that when they wake up in the morning, someone's not going time to go to school, Bobby, hurry up. And then they pop their stress hormones. And now when they get to their game, their performance is off just a little bit. They're not fully engaged. They're not hearing their coaches because the hearing shuts down. The eyesight shuts down, like all of this changes. So I'm like, Oh, wow. I have to help them stay pressure free all day long. By the time they get to their game, they can rock it. They can do really well. So that was like the big download from above and the big aha. And then I was kind of cocky. I didn't think I needed my own method. <laughs> I thought I was a pretty calm professional. I was like, no, 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 no. I had eczema all over my hands from my first big violin competition at age 13. Cracked and bleeding knuckles. I could never wear a ring because these were actually bloated and red and raw. And I'd never show them on screen for those of you seeing the video. Like I could, I would never show my hands. I was even embarrassed to shake hands with people. And I was running a symphony for years. You know, that's embarrassing. Um, and playing my violin with little band-aids on my knuckles. In eight weeks of using the method on myself, my hands and skin completely cleared. I actually fell to my kitchen floor crying and shooting my middle finger up at my husband because it was clear for the first time. <laughs> He's like, wait, hold on to me. So what are you doing? I don't know which one. <laughs> it was so funny. And he's like, why are you crying? See the skin? I'm like touching my skin. And I would get bouts of stress acne, which is so embarrassing as a professional and as an adult, you know, to have, it's like, what am I a teenager? 
So skin is your largest organ. It can show a lot of things for you. Um, you know, it's just really amazing to look at all the health and mental health things. If I have a student who's, or an adult, I've worked with adults with ADD, ADHD. And the minute they come to work with me, the first thing I say is, so you're a genius. Let's get to work because they are. And they've just been, they have a really wide bandwidth, but they were expected to work like this in school. Mm. That's too small for them. They need this. They need this kind of school. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I'm doing all the hallelujahs and glory be. <laughs> yeah, they Mother need of this. three, but two, boy, two boys that are, you know, you put them in a setting that is, they can experiment outside and do this and then do this and then have a Socratic debate and this or that, and they thrive. Wow. And they put them in a situation where you're like, here's your little box. And they're like, ah, well, think about the history of education. We feminized education, by the way, we feminized recess. Mm -hmm. The boys games have all been eliminated. You can't play King of the Hill anymore because someone might get hurt. You can't play this kind of tag anymore. You can only do this kind. My boys hated it. Like they, they would beg me to homeschool them because they thought school was a waste of time. Number one, if they were sick, they got their homework done in less than an hour, seven hours, one hour, what would they choose? Right. So it's like so interesting the wide bandwidth right. and and what's happening. So really it's an anxiety issue. ADD, yeah. ADHD, it's an anxiety issue. And if we can crack into that and pro- 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 protect them, we're actually protecting them from releasing those hormones. And it, it starts first thing in the morning. But I said nine hours for males, but it's 24 hour effect for women. What? So I could have sworn uh, it was like four hours. So that, but it explains why if a male and a female have an argument a few hours later, the male is pretty cool. And he's like, why are you still upset? I don't understand why you're still upset. We are biologically in the fight for a very long time. Yes. And the only thing I found in my research is that most tribal situations, the males were the ones fighting and protecting the women and children. So their bodies had to recover sooner from these releases of hormones. But for us, it was not a clearing. So we were just, just go into these long cycles. And that is the reason why I believe there are these glass ceilings, why I was the first woman in 86 to be conducting that symphony. You know, the glass ceiling, and I, I hear it mostly from women executives that I work with, I can't trust this person's emotional response. When we're in fight or flight, our emotional responses cannot be trusted. Because we move into what I call the B behaviors. The first one is a word I don't like to say, but you can guess what it is. Mm -hmm. Very snippy, very snappy. Um, We can get very bossy. We can bully. When they say, you know, a woman being assertive is aggressive. I'm sorry, because I've been there and I've done it. They're in fight or flight and they are being aggressive. And it's not pretty because the tone of voice has changed. Their, Their front of their body is tight which repels people instead of inviting. And this is for a male or a female. So debunking all of that and understanding why anyone can't be trusted, their emotional response can't be trusted. Fight or flight is at the root of it. So if we can clear that up, I have people who get incredible promotions. Sometimes they build their own position in companies because they take such a leadership role because they're free now. They're free of the stress response controlling them throughout their day. So there's a, I had one boy, he was, I love my younger clients just say it, right? (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, they just say stuff. And he comes into my, the last session that we were working together and he goes, this is, he goes, I feel limitless without the pill. Oh, <laughs> yes. That's a great show. <laughs> just, you know, so limitless can do anything with my brain now because it's not, I call it stress sludge. You're not under the influence of these hormones that shut down your outer cortex, make it hard to make decisions, you know, shut down your willpower, which is why you binge. That's another one of the B behaviors. You, you binge, yes. you keep that little secret drawer of chocolate, you know, <laughs> or you're turning to something harder <laughs> to make yourself feel better, you know? So it's like, problem, cool. Right? To numb it so that you don't feel all the things, uh, you know, listening yeah. to you, I know, gosh, I can't even believe how much time has already passed. Oh my so gosh. Right. I know we're going to, you know, I, I, <laughs> okay. I feel like we could just keep talking and talking. I know that people are going to want to connect, but before we do that, is there something that you can leave some of our listeners just a taste yes. of something they could immediately put into action to start to help? absolutely mental toughness and yeah i'm gonna give you my my three-step method right up front here i want you to have it i want every i want you to have it because pressure free is meant to be shared there's a ripple effect so step one targets what do you want to change say it as positively as possible like if you have a, a heart condition or you have something going on like i want a healthy heart if you want uh, are a student you want better grades or your parent who wants better grades for their student I, I want to see this. So it's a desire, a target. Mm -hmm. Just write down a couple targets you have for yourself. And then step two are triggers. What makes you feel angry or annoyed, mm -hmm. anxious or afraid, ashamed or abused? And abuse can be just the slightest little name calling or something that makes you just feel like you're not, um, you're not enough. So any of those emotions or any tense, tense feeling in your body, you have 10 seconds. Third step, tools and the 10 second solution. From a resting heart rate. So when I work with my athletes, I have to play with the heart rate a little bit. <laughs> but from a resting heart rate, you have about 10 seconds before the adrenaline will release, before the amygdala in your brain tells your heart rate to rise up and you release that adrenaline. 10 seconds is a long time, especially for us ADHD people, 1,001, 1,002, please let's go, right? Yeah, right. So, <laughs> uh, time to waste that. So, so you have 10 seconds to do something. And in my intro course, I share over 40 tools because you are unique. The first tools, the tools I may share right now, maybe like, eh, maybe that'll work. But I've built over 40, some go really deep because everybody is different. And I need to find the tools that work for you, help you figure that out. So I'm gonna share a couple of tools right now. And you're using them in that 10 second window so that you don't overreact and release the adrenaline, which is a cocktail and you're under the influence for hours, mm. just like any mm. other drug, okay? Mm. So the first thing I wanna share is just put your hands on your belly and relax your abs. So when you relax your ab muscles, you tell your brain that you're okay because our abdominal muscles are our body armor. You've probably been taught by trainers, by phys ed teachers, by all these other people, by your parents to suck it in and have a nice slim waist and stomach, right? But that tells your body all day long to be afraid, all day long. So if you relax your belly, you instantly tell your brain that you don't need to go into fight or flight. So use that in that 10 second window. And now you have a moment to choose your response to the situation you're encountering. 
like your boss yelling at you or a coach saying something that's hurting your feelings or whatever the thing is. You have a moment to decide how you want to respond. By the way, please tell people you're learning this because they know how to push your buttons. And when you don't react, they're going to wonder what the heck is up. So, so tell them that you've learned this. The second thing I want to do with you, this is going to sound weird, but grab your butt and pull it back. So it's rising up by your spine and you're on your hamstrings. If you were a scared dog, you would tuck your tail, right? Scared dog tucks its tail. When you're sitting on your butt, your tail is tucked. And again, you're telling your brain all day long, I'm a little bit scared. I'm a little bit scared. I'm a little bit scared. So when you get your butt back and you're sitting on your hamstrings, you, you tell your brain, I'm fine. I'm alert. I can do this. It's a simple body motion. Nobody needs to really see you're doing it. You don't have to touch your butt if you can get it back there. right? So it's very quick. The, next, the last thing I want to share is that, um, and all these tools have a neuroscience mm-hmm. pinning underneath them. Um, the only way adults can retrain their brain that I know of, there are two ways. One is a gross motor motion, which is how your cortex grew to begin with, which is why putting kids on drugs doesn't work because it actually retards the growth of the cortex. Um, and what you do first thing in the morning and just before you go to bed. So you can keep that in mind, but I'm going to go with a gross motor motion. I have people pretend there's a little Ferris wheel in front of them. So they're out of the hamster wheel and out around, and they're just pushing up in the air. It's a very silly thing to do. You girls don't, you don't go around like this, like all day, right? I kind of do sometimes. I figured you might. (laughs) (laughs) So when you go, when you do this big motion, your brain instantly can now rewire and actually create new neural pathways. It's one of the only ways you can redo something, a habit in your brain. So do a big motion like this Ferris wheel. It's silly. So you'll smile. Smile keeps dopamine flowing in your outer cortex and your hippocampus. You can remember and you can think better. So now you're going to have that moment to say, how do I really want to respond here? I don't, by the way, I never want to go back to the old me. (laughs) And I, I say to myself every day, stay out pressure-free in my genius zone all day. I want to go all day without triggering the stress response. And that's what I teach my clients to do. It takes time because we have habits. Habits that not only are our own, they're generations old. Because we've imitated not just our parents, but anyone who had an influence. Sonia, your coaches, you, you, you were influenced by them and you picked up little things. I just talked to someone this morning who said, oh my gosh, it was one of my coaches who seriously impacted me you know so coaches anyone who's been an influence in your life professors um so basically you're interrupting the stress response with a big motion and it opens your posture so when you push up and bring your arms back down don't let your ribs go down keep your ribs up and keep your shoulders wide and keep your abs soft and now the whole front of your body is is activated and your spine is happy and your heart is happy. So you like move right into your optimal self because a lot of the stress is here, right? It's like get out of your head and into your body. Mm, what a great and those simple little things can just pop, you know, interrupt so that you can play with what you're going to do next. You have power, which is sure. incredible. It's incredible to have power when you would have gone into fight or flight and felt powerless. 
Mm-hmm. Although adrenaline can be a little addictive drug. Hello, my name is Al, and I was addicted to adrenaline for a long time. <laughs> yes. Oh I goodness. thought I was super mom, a super powerful woman. <laughs> so now. No, not- you know what I'm, a, I'm appreciating? You know, we hear that a lot. Get out of your mind, get into your body. But what, this is the first time I've really heard on, on the how. And the, the, the using using our body like oh yes. we're supposed to use our body to get into our body and out of our our head and yeah. I'm just, I'm so grateful I feel like the entire conversation every sentence that you've said like I'm learning I'm like I'm just <laughs> I'm, it's so insightful everything is like like I'm with your sons why isn't this taught in middle school <laughs> darn it you so. know I have to share um I I taught this to my ten year old and he allows me to share this because it's in my parenting book. Um, that at 10, he had some anger issues going down. And the very month that I was going to take him to a friend who was a psychologist, I created pressure free. And he has hardly ever had any anger issues from that point forward. He thought he was terrible in math. He ended up valedictorian of an elite math and science center, valedictorian of his school, national merit finalist. He's at Columbia. He was a, he's a TA in the psychs department as a junior. Is a straight four over a four point. And I share it because I don't think he'd be there if we hadn't figured this out mm-hmm. when he was 10. But fi- just naturally sharing with him and changing myself. So I wasn't waking up saying, hurry up, William, we're going to be late. I stopped all that behavior. He was, we were never late. It's mm-hmm. just my perception that we were going to be late. You were never late. We're an early family, pretty much. There's one person in the family isn't so early, but we're pretty much an early family, you know? So I just had to share that. Like so much is possible when you get out of flutter flight. No, I love, I love that. And I do want to just for, for people listening and I'm just, I'm empathizing. Um, actually I like to use the word having compassion instead of empathizing, but that's a whole nother story, but, <laughs> but having compassion for people who might be listening and they might say, Oh crap, it's too late. My kid's 20. Oh no, crap, it's too late. late. And um, sorry, that's not a very ladylike thing to say, is it? Um, okay. <laughs> but really what it has to do with is not like start where you are. Guilt is going to trigger the stress. Yes. And this is about taking care of and, and the shame and all of that. So it's about, okay, gr- oh, how, how one, this is, if I can just give it, can I please just talk to our listeners and our viewers for a second? Hey, y'all out there, take a deep breath and say, how awesome. There is something else out there that could really help me. And I'm going to be curious and look into it more rather than spend the rest of the day with a trigger that's now blame, shame. And, and, and <laughs> so, oh, yes. Oh, so, my goodness. Yeah. So to that end, Al, I mean, because your, your kid may not end up valedictorian, but maybe you're no. going, going to become the best version of who they can be because you've gotten your arms around responding instead of reacting. And so, I mean, on, on that note, how can people get a hold of you, read your book, see all of the mm-hmm. things? I know we'll have a lot of the links posted when people yeah. know that, but I would mm-hmm. love for you to just share with people. Sure. Um, for those of you who are really serious, just get on my calendar. So speakwithl.com is my calendar. And I am happy to talk with you to find out more about you, to find out more about one of your children, one of your parents, you know, like whoever it is. Um, so speakwithl.com. Uh, I have a YouTube channel. And if you go to it and hit playlist, um, one of the playlists is a little um, 
it's a five session video course. It's very short videos, super short to just get you started. And then of course my website, lingles.com. You can also go to it by pressure-free.com. And if you click on courses, I actually do some free um, webinars in there in, on each one of those courses. So you can just kind of get an idea there too. My coaching is kind of like taking off right now, to be honest, um, just in the last few months. I've just brought like a whole level in because I, I, I know people have need this, yes. but now it's just like, I'm on fire. I have to help more and more people. So I also work with groups. So schools, corporations, like anybody, I have an entire wellness series. You can pick just one, or you can do a whole series or pick a three to five, but um, you know, that's bring it to more and more people. So there's, I have a ton of research. I've made over thousands of videos on YouTube. So, so there's a ton there. And I just try to be really real with people. And I love, love, love what you said, Hillary, that um, because I beat myself up for like weeks when I transformed and said, oh my God, I'm, at the time I was 48, all the decades I've lost and all the decades I hurt myself. I mean, it was really painful because I thought I was doing so well, but I was missing a critical piece. This on all the all on the go thing was missing. And um, when I figured it out, it was like I had a whole new leash on life. And I love how you say, just start where you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. I worked with an 80 year old woman. She was the mother of a um, gold medal Olympian who said she was just stressed her whole life. And did I think I could work with someone her age? It was brilliant work. First of all, she was such an inspiration, but it doesn't matter how old you are. Even, you know, it, do, it really doesn't matter. I've coached as, well, a school brought me in for first and second graders. That was a trip. <laughs> that was fun because <laughs> I love little ones, but they know how to relax their abs. They know how to smile. And then they teach each other. It's so cute. They're working on a project like, oh, just smile. Like Mrs. Ingle said, you know, <laughs> it's so cute. So anybody can learn this. It's not rocket science, but you do have a lot of habits and you, and you might have decades of habits. And so that's what we have to, it's like when the hair gets like all super snarly yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you go, oh no, or there's <laughs> gum in the hair, you know, and you don't want to cut it, but you're trying to, that's what I feel like. It's like, we got to untangle all the emotional stuff that's happened to us. Cause we all have trauma. It doesn't matter how big or small someone else might think it is, but your trauma is your trauma. So we got to get in there, untangle that. So I, I just, I think that's so great. Sonia, I'm going to let, I'm going to let you, um, have your last say, but I just have to laugh because I'm sitting here going, Oh my God, you'd have a field day with me because when my hair gets tangled literally, and it does a lot, I just yank it out. So I like, <laughs> so I will have like, yeah. I know, look at Sonia's face. She's, she's so not surprised though. Cause she knows me. That's my patience level. And so it'll get tangled and I'll be like working on it. And I'm like, Oh, this is dumb. And then I just, <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. We're going to work on that habit. I know uh, for Christmas, Sonia's going to give me a session with you. Um, Sonia, uh, thoughts before we close out? You know, I, I, I've shared some of my thoughts and just so, you know, the, the purposefulness that you bring into your work. And the last bit of it, I just feel the sense of service and, you know, your generosity, like just hearing that it's not just about, you know, protecting what you discovered and that, you know, you're the one that can coach these tools. It's the fact that this is a, it's almost like a crisis for humanity that you say, mm -hmm. 
everyone needs it. Everyone needs a version of this. The fact that you offer the different layers from free to like one-on-one to groups, it just shows how critical and how much of a priority it is in your eyes. I mean, I know that you've convinced Hillary and I and our listeners that this is a priority. And I think my, my last thought is I just, I'm so grateful for your service. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And uh, I may go back and be a conductor someday, but right now I have to do this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, Ellen, I I really do. I want to echo everything that Sonia said, and you are a conductor. You're conducting a much bigger orchestra though. And that orchestra is, is really, you know, humanity. We're in the second pandemic after uh, and of course we have the, the Delta variant as well, but we have seen a 40% increase, especially among teens in their anxiety. And so everybody is in this situation now. I mean, we have mothers and fathers who've been at home trying to figure things out. I, our, our stress has never been as high as it is right now. So yes. you truly are a gift. And I, I hope that those same skills that, that helped you to show up in love and bring people to the orchestra are the same skills that people now are seeing you use in this this mental health work as well as just coaching and high performance and and pressure-free work that you do as well so i i echo my thanks for everything that you've done and i would love to just tell our listeners be sure if you have loved today like we have loved today please do go to YouTube, Apple, anywhere you listen and subscribe, like, give some love to Elle, follow her social media posts, follow us at our our different places and know that we're all in this together. We bring people on like Elle to help you connect with your most authentic you so that you can trust yourself and show up in a way that helps you feel like you belong for sure you belong here with us. So we hope to see you next time. Thank you so much.